0: Welcome to the Man Up God's Way Podcast, a show that dives into the real, raw, and relevant issues for men and their faith, life, and community. Now, your host, Jody Birkin.
1: Folks, thank you so much for joining us today. It's the Man Up God's Way podcast. I'm excited today to have a very special guest on the show today. Joshua, Bro- is it Broome? I should have Broome. asked that first. yeah Broome. okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Good, good. Well, Joshua, thank you so much for uh, being on the show today. And um, I can't wait to hear your story. It's, uh, it's my honor and privilege to be here. And
0: uh, thank you for uh, working with my crazy schedule to make it happen. I appreciate that so much.
1: Well, not not a problem at all. I can't imagine uh, what you've got going on in your life and uh, just the opportunities that you get to speak and do all the podcasts and stuff. So thank you for taking your time for our podcast. Oh, it's my joy. Awesome. Well, Joshua, um, you know, I like to uh, in the the podcast, I like to hear people's story. We always talk about the Saul side and the Paul side with the men that I disciple. I tell them to have a two minute, a 10 minute and a 45 minute version of your testimony ready to tell because you never know how long you have to that opportunity to share it with somebody. And in essence, it's a gospel message that people get to hear and kind of see played out in your life. If you, if you would, won't you tell our audience a little bit about your story and then we'll jump into some questions as we go from there.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I, b- because I tell my story essentially uh, professionally, what, uh, what, what time frame do you, do you want? Like how deep do you want to go? Do you want I tell you, uh, well, our
1: audience we we can we can go as deep as you want and as raw as you want. That's uh, yeah, that's our audience. So awesome. Um, so uh,
0: again, my name is Joshua Broom. I grew up in uh, Pageland, South Carolina, so a really small town on the state line in South Carolina. But it was so close to the state line and so small of a town. I was born in Charlotte, North Carolina, and mm-hmm. uh, what was unique about my upbringing is that unfortunately I was without a father growing up. But what was unique um, because what we see is uh, it's, it's sad to say, but you know, fatherlessness is an epidemic in itself and somewhat of a normative thing in uh, today's culture, specifically Western culture. But what was unique about my fatherlessness was that I was in this small town and in that small town, uh, my father was there. And he just wasn't in my life or in my home. So, um, the dad that I knew him to be, uh, I never had access to him yet. I could see him, um, you know, one grocery store, you know, one or two gas stations. So the probability of me seeing him and me having a tangible reminder of the thing that I desired to have that created curiosity. And then later on frustration, um, I would, you know, I would see that. And, um, For me, as I got older, as that curiosity turned into frustration, I believed a lie. And, you know, if you believe a lie to be true, it becomes true to you. And you see, you know, the world through that lie. You create a worldview through that lie in which, like, you interpret um, relationships, how you see yourself and, and all these things. And I believe, like many men do, that... Um, because most men have a high achiever personality, um, a lot of women do as well. But I would say probably 80 to 90% of guys have a high achiever personality. Right. And um, I believed that I could achieve the affirmation I wasn't receiving from my dad. And it started out doing good things. But if you do a good thing, for the wrong reason, it's no longer a good thing. It's certainly not a God thing. But um, I was trying to be the best in school. I was trying to be the best athlete and um, not trying to be the best to operate in excellence, trying to be the best so that I would be affirmed. Um, I was trying to get enough good jobs and pat on the backs and awards and accolades and things like that um, to hear, you know, to really fill the gap of uh, son. Good job, son. I love you. And um, that became really the the narrative in which my life was like my identity was um, I am uh, my mother's son. That was the thing that I was most Mm -hmm. proud of. That was the thing that I clung to. And at the same time, I was fatherless, and I was, you know, operating wounded. So that left uh, that led to a lot of brokenness in my life. Um, I saw pornography for the first time when I was 13. And uh, that was really uh, my first introduction into anything sexual. And honestly, um, the first time I'd really saw any kind of, you know, demonstration of, uh, a relationship. So, right. um, because you know, Romans 12, uh, Romans 12 two talks about how they're either being conformed by the world. or you're being transformed by the renewing right of your mind. that's why it's so important. We have these conversations that we share what is true because we don't, the world's going to speak first and it shouts loud. Um, the things of the world. So I saw porn and that shaped how I saw women in relationships, which led to much promiscuity. And then the pursuit of women, that was another level of affirmation. And um, all this stuff led me to, you know, modeling and acting. And that was, you know, the, the the next hit of dopamine where I could do something that I was finding success in, which that success was making me feel good for a moment until that wore off and then out, I was searching for uh, my next hit of affirmation. And all of that landed me in um, Hollywood. So I ended up uh, going to school in South Carolina, studying theater for two years, and then I dropped out of school because I thought, you know, if I put myself in closer proximity to this industry, I want to be in, which was like the entertainment industry, I wanted to model and act, um, I had more success modeling than I had acting, but I was doing both. And I moved out there, got an agent, and everything, and you know, for the most part, it's going pretty well. And like many people who uh, move to a, a place like Los Angeles, Hollywood, Miami, New York, Dallas, uh, very expensive, and sometimes while you're chasing your dream, uh, you got to mitigate your, in- uh, your expenses. So I got a job at a restaurant slash bar. I walked into that bar. Um, You know, I'm working there and then three girls walk in and they ask me, do I want to be an actor? And I was like, sure. And I was like, maybe this is going to be my you know, this is going to be an opportunity for me to work on a project or this is going to be an opportunity to, you know, get an introduction to someone because like relational equity takes you much further than uh, having the, the right pictures or the right reel or the right whatever. Uh, if you know the if you know the person, that can get you in the room. That's going to take you much further, and uh, that's true yeah. in most cases. So I just assume, yeah. okay, this is going to be my big break. Um, yeah, it's but not I, what
1: you know; it's who you know.
0: Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And um, for and then I, so I was that's what I was thinking, but then they said, no, we're talking about porn. We're talking about pornography. Right. Um, we want you. We want you uh, to meet with our agent. And, you know, I was relatively naive at the time. I was 22, um, you know, living a very promiscuous lifestyle. And if I'm honest, I wasn't doing far from uh, what they were offering me uh, to get paid to do. And I thought, you know, what how big of a deal could it be? Maybe I'll just right. do one and, and, and see how it goes. And I walk in and, uh, and meet with this agent and he asked me three questions. He asked me, um, how did I grow up? what am I doing in LA and Mm. what do I hope to accomplish? And I said, you know, I grew up, I grew up just pretty much me and my mom and I am out here to do modeling and acting. And I guess I want to be famous. And that's so interesting to look back on because like being famous, isn't a thing. It's not a tangible thing to, (laughs) to, you know, to achieve because it's not measurable. Because right. if it's not measurable, it's not attainable because what I'm really saying is I want to be seen. I want to be known. I want to be loved. There, there's something broken in me, and I believe if mm-hmm. I have something, I'll feel something that I don't currently feel. And um, that's the case for so many people. It's like if I if I had the wife, I would be happy. If I had the yeah. truck, I would be happy. If I had the house, if yeah. I had another comma in my bank account, um, I believe the lie that, um, the anxiety and the frustration and the anger and the pain and whatever you might be feeling is going to go away. And man, um, not not to, not to start preaching too early, but uh, <laughs> go say, <for> it, brother. <laughs> it, it's so important to understand, like all emotions right. are God given, but right. all emotions, what it brings to the surface is they all point to a God that loves you, that wants you to be connected to him. Mm. Everything you feel and if those emotions leads you away from him, it's because you've perceived them wrongly. Because there's some kind of brokenness right. in your life, or you've believed a lie about yourself, or you believe a lie about relationships, or um, like you know what my book talks about, it's like like you believe that intimacy is found in 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 you know sex with a random person, or um, enough people knowing your name, or a blue check mark being by your social media profile. Mm-hmm. And that's not intimacy. That's not, you know, that's not satisfaction. Intimacy is only found in proximity to God. Like that is the right. that's the only thing that'll satisfy your soul. But if you don't know that, you're gonna search like heck for any and everything that will fill that void. And that's you know, that's the lie of the enemy. Like where, where the okay. enemy didn't say, uh, you should go left when you're supposed to go right. The enemy says, Well, did God say go left? Right. Did he really say did God really say that? And if and if he can get you to question God, he can get you to believe the 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 worst lie that started in the garden, that we can create our own autonomy, that we can become our own God, that we know what's best for ourselves, and we certainly don't.
1: I love uh, what you said. I love what you said. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I love what you said just a second ago is that you know these little things that we keep searching for are the things that God keeps, you know, trying to draw us closer to Him with. And um- I did this past fall, I did a, a conference for uh, wounded uh, warriors, uh, veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the Army and during the Gulf War. And so through our ministry, we do quite a bit of stuff with veterans. And one of the things that I learned during this conference, there was a psychologist there and uh, they talked about uh, moral injury. You know, not only are veterans coming coming with PTSD, but they have some sort of moral injury from their childhood that is compounding the PTSD that they currently have. And I think for a lot of us, we have this moral injury of sorts, like yours was your dad. Um, yeah. You know, mine was different, a little bit different than that. And somebody else is a little bit different than that. And sometimes you have to go back to the past to to figure out why you're you're motivated to go in, a, in the wrong direction instead of motivated to go to the direction of God so understanding what that moral injury in our lives really helps us out and and heals uh, later on down the road
0: yeah it, it makes me think um so in in John 22 uh Jesus and and Peter are having this conversation where um you know, Peter has done the thing he said he wouldn't do, and he betrayed Jesus. And uh, Jesus had already resurrected, and and Peter had, you know, saw a glimpse of him once. And now he's on the beach cooking breakfast. And what I love is in John 18, we see um, this word in Greek, where it means, you know, these these burning coals. And then, um, so that was where he denied Jesus for the first time. And then in John 21, he's cooking breakfast, um, and there's the same burning coals there. And that's where he restores him. And that's the only two times in the New Testament that we see this word anthrakaia that means um, burning coals. But I believe to to your point, um, because this because your sense of smell is so interconnected with your memory, I think in a way, um, Jesus was trying to bring him to the place where he was wounded so that he could find healing. And I love the language where, um, you know, in the Greek, Jesus says, uh, "You know, do you love me? But he says, do you agape me? And then Peter says, I phileo you. And then Jesus says, you agape me. And he says phileo. And the third time Jesus says, you phileo me. And Peter is essentially, you know, he says, yes, I phileo you. And he had, you know, so, some hurt with that. But what is true is if if you're willing to go back to the place where you were wounded and you bring that wound to the person of Jesus, he's the he's the one and the only one that can heal it. But your only is healed is you're willing to be honest. And if you bring all of yourself, Mm. all of your hurt, all of you, not not the person you pretend you you are, not the person that uh, you portray yourself to be on social media. If you bring who you really are, the man you are right now today, because I mean, that's, you know, I I love the language of the podcast. Like that's what manning up looks like because manning up in the kingdom looks like surrender. Surrender is access to the thing that you couldn't find on your own, which is what we all need, which is healing um yeah man i i love that um that's
1: good good stuff
0: yeah uh but yes so i mean i'm in this space where you know i i I do the thing that um you know i have this interaction with these three girls i they're all they offer me this meeting with this agent and he he asked me these three questions which you know i say i grew up you know single parent home i'm searching for something And he he gets a lot of information to manipulate someone who is broken and seeking for something they don't have that doesn't exist. So I I end up I I do the film. And then what's true is uh, one compromise doesn't have to define the rest of your life. One season of compromise doesn't have to define the rest of your life. But often we find ourselves in a crossroads when either we do something we shouldn't have done or something happens to us and we believe that wound you know that that thing that happened to us we believe that has to determine everything we do for the rest of our life because that becomes our identity Mm -hmm. and you know that that's what that's what i believed you know again if you believe a lie to be true it's true to you and what i believed is um this is who i am this is what i have to do because when i did it my life blew up i got fired by um, everyone that was representing me and in, in mainstream, my mom found out I was humiliated and ashamed and um, my fraternity brothers found out and And some, uh, you yeah. know, some affirmed me and some scolded me and um, anyone that wasn't for me, I slowly pushed them away. And again, that high achiever personality, even in a place where I wasn't proud of what I was doing, but I believe this is my bed and I've got to lie in it. So this is all this. This is all i can do
1: okay <laughs> yeah
0: some you okay <laughs> um,
1: there's,
0: there's some construction going on beside our studio um no problem. yeah but so if you believe a lie you know if you believe that lie it's like well there's nothing else i can do so i have to continue doing this right um it's like yeah so it's like i, I have to continue doing this and um so I did. So the same, the same, uh, same mentality. Uh, I, I'm a high achiever. I got to be the best. And I thought, okay, if I make enough money, if I become famous enough, if I do all the things, um, I, I'll feel the validation that I'm desiring, and uh, my heart will stop hurting. And right. um, I, I love, uh, you know, thinking about like God's, God's patience and kindness never operates at the speed or in the way that we understand. And uh, you're thinking about, uh, yes, like Romans 2, 4, you know, it talks about it's God's um, loving kindness. It's, you know, it's his love, His patience, His kindness that leads us into repentance. And sometimes God loves you enough to experience the thing that you think would fix your life. And when it doesn't, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: what are you to do, you know?
1: Right, exactly. Uh,
0: And that's what happened to me. It's like. I made millions of dollars. I had all the success. You know, everybody knew my name, but when it didn't work the way that I thought it would, Mm. um, specifically, it's like, if I became the best was the thing, like the money was the first thing, but if I became the best and I was nominated for, um, you know, they have an award show, they have multiple award shows. And one of them is like, You know, performer of the year, you know, they have one for men, one for women Uh, like male performer of the year. And I was nominated four years in a row. And and the last year I was in the industry, I won it. But when I won it and it didn't make me feel like I thought it would, it broke me and Mm. it amplified my anxiety. It deepened my depression and it led me to a place where I made a very clear plan to take my life. And um, I still have this piece of paper today. I wrote on the paper, um, here's why I want to die. I will never be a husband. I will never be a father. I'll never be able to create things or inspire people in a way that promotes positive change in their life, because those are the three life goals that I have. Um, And I was like, "Well, I can't, it's over because I and I disqualified myself from the things that I wanted most, because of how I saw myself in the life that I lived. And then also, Everyone around me was affirming the lies that I believe myself. They, they affirm those lies. They're like, yeah, like you're stuck. This is who you always be. This stuff will always be on the Internet. This is just who, who you are. These are, their, you know, this is the cards you've been dealt because of the decisions you've made. So I made a plan to take my life and I, I walk into a bank because I had one last check and I thought, well, I can't let this check go to waste. Um, I figured like my mom or somebody would get it. And I walk in this bank and um, on the checks, on the memo of the checks, they'll always, um, the directors or the production company would always put something either grotesque or something antagonistic, like something yeah. to, something embarrassing, something where you were clearly handing yeah. seller, you know, it, it was clear what choice. you were being compensated for, you know? Right. So I would just go, you know, ATM, Dropbox, mobile deposit. I, I, I didn't want to see a person. But on this day, I was like, well, this is who I am, I just wanted to end. So it was almost like this one last masochistic act where I want someone to tell me the same thing that I think about me. So when I slid the check across the counter, I waited on the smirk or the look of disgust or the, you know the shaking of the head. Um, but instead she looked me in the eyes and said, Joshua, are you okay? Wow, Joshua, is there anything I can do for you? And what's so interesting about that is in the in the porn industry, the, that, that agent, he pro- the first promise, he said, I can make your name famous. But the first thing I did, I had to go by another name. So the first thing they did was give me another name because in that industry, you go by a pseudonym and I right. was and I'd isolated myself to the extent where I had not heard Joshua in over a year. Wow. And when that teller, simp- you know, simply looked me in the eye and, and saw, I mean, I'm shaking. You know, I'm probably like loss of color. Um, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to make a decision that's, you know, going to wow. end my life. And um, she saw me in my brokenness and she cared enough to ask me if I was okay. And she used my name. And mm-hmm. uh, some people would say, of course she did or, or, or whatever. But um, I, I think it was the Holy Spirit working through a prompting. In her, Amen. and when she said my when she said my name, um, it it shattered. You know the the plausible reality that I created based on guilt and shame because I, I saw myself as shame, and I felt that way. So I I just made the shell around myself, and I didn't return my mom's calls or texts for over a year, because my pride and my shame caused me to believe, well, um, she's better off not messing with me because i've already messed up my life and she's probably ashamed of me anyway um but something in my gut when she said that i i ran home and i called her and she said the thing that i was afraid that she wouldn't say um i love you i'm not mad at you i just wanted to know Mm -hmm. if you're okay please come home and that was the day i quit and i i moved back home but even though um, I was now living in, in North Carolina, I started working in the health and fitness industry, I started I started working at a gym. Um even though I was removed from uh the, the hurtful environment and the hurtful things I were I was doing, I was still walking wounded. But right. I was I was, you know, I you know what what, what the world would say is like manning up, right? So I would I was, was oh, you were
1: surviving. To, yeah, yeah you were surviving. To,
0: yeah, I was, yeah. I was, you know, like many people do, um, right. I was pretending to be OK, but I wasn't. But what's true is it's it's OK to not be OK, but it's not OK to not tell anybody. Right. Um, but that that process went on for two years. I was working at a gym. Same thing. Got a bunch of credentials working at the gym, worked my way up, became, you know, uh, a leader at that gym and um, in walked this girl one day and I asked her out and she said No. And that just lit a fire under my tail to to go after her even harder. <laughs> and um she agreed to go on a run. And mm. we on that run, I felt uh it's like the first time I felt conviction in a way. Um wow. and I felt almost my I heard my mom's voice saying, Don't you lie to that girl. Don't you mm. hurt that girl. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to tell her everything, and I did. Because like I was like, hey, before we even start, I was like, I need you to know this about me, and I told her everything, and she was pretty shocked. But you know, after after you know what seemed like forever, uh, she finally spoke, and she said, "Are you doing those things now?" And I said, "No," um, and she said, "Well, a person's not defined by the worst thing they've ever done." Mm. And a person's not defined by the greatest thing they'll ever do either. There's a creator God that made me and you, and he has the final say. He defines you. Do you know him? And I, I, I believe that I was a Christian because I went to church when I was a kid um, right. and I believe that God existed in that there was, you know, there was an intelligent designer existing outside of time, space, and matter that created everything. But that's where it stopped. Um, right. So I was like, sure. And then she's like, well, I've been following Jesus since I was in the seventh grade. My whole family follows Jesus. And my relationship with Jesus is the foundation in which I live my life. That is who I am. That's the most mm-hmm. important thing about me. And I was like, yeah. "I've never... I, 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 maybe I've heard it said before, but I never heard anyone explain their faith like that. And, and then she was like, okay, what kind of, so what kind of food do you like? I was like, <laughs> she's so like, tell cute. me about, yourself. you know, what kind of goals do you have? You know, what, what do you care about? Uh, what's your family like? And I'm like, what you, you want to continue talking? Because I, wow. because for me, I lived most of my life, especially my adult life, you know, hiding behind a mask. I call it a first date mask where um, right. I don't think much of myself so because of that um i'm going to put on the mask of whoever i believe you want me to be so that you like me and affirm me and uh, the relationship probably can't go past surface level because i never allow you into knowing who i actually am and if you're going to play that role it's going to be exhausting um Mm. so i mean she 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 cut right through, you know, my, my uh, pretending like I knew what was going on. And she just cut, you know, uh, it, I, it makes me think of like a is like four, six, like your, your speech being gracious and seasoned with sauce. So you might know how you ought to answer each person. And um, uh, there's there's this quote by Robert, uh, Robert Coleman. So the master plan of evangelism. Mm-hmm. He's talking, and, he, and he just he shares this idea around uh, most people are not looking for an explanation they're looking for a demonstration, and the way that right. she demonstrated grace to me and told me truth, it it met me in the intersection of my disbelief, and, mm. it, and it birthed curiosity, and right. um, so we we walked and talked, and then we uh, we talked for about a week, and then she she invited me to church, and uh, you're you're gonna love you're gonna love this story because of what you said earlier. Um, so I, I get the church, and uh, we get there, and you know I'm I'm not really like I'm hungry to go to church. It's like I'm after her, you know, right. uh, if I'm honest. And uh, I I get into church, and the pastor starts preaching, and he starts preaching from uh, this. Uh, it, it's it's amazing because actually I'm preaching at uh, Bentry uh, Bible Fellowship uh, this Sunday, and I'm preaching. A really expounded message uh, that he preached to me that, uh, that, you know, led to my salvation. But it's, uh, there's this portion of scripture in second Samuel chapter nine, where there's this intersect where um, David is, is asking uh, his guards, is there anyone left out of the house of Saul? And just to provide some context. So um, Saul and Jonathan had died in battle and all of a sudden there was no dynastic Um, you know, there was no next person to become King, but actually the kingship had been uh, removed from Saul because of his sin. And David had been chosen anointed by God. And um, so David is now King, but in chapter one of uh, first Samuel, he had, uh, he had made this promise to Jonathan that he would continue to show kindness both to him and to his family. And now David's asking, um, how can I show uh, this kindness, Um, to anyone in the house of Saul? Is there anyone left? And the guard says, yes, there's Mephibosheth, who was the son of of Jonathan. And the the guard goes and finds him. But what's unique about this story is that historically speaking, um, anyone that was in the position that Mephibosheth was in historically, was to be killed because anyone that would challenge the current kingdom historically was killed like when a when a yeah. new when a new kingdom started they looked for anyone that was attached to any previous kingdom that um that may would challenge them and they were killed person by person um mm. so my was in hiding and he was actually lame mm. because in chapter 5 um the nurse is picking him up and running with him drops him. mean he ends up lame um. So he's lame and hiding and expecting death. And David sends a guard and brings him back. And he's standing in front of David, expecting to be killed. And right. instead, David says that he's going to invite him into his kingdom, give him a seat at his table, and he's going to restore his land. And Mephibosheth is mm-hmm. like, so taken back by this. And he's like, um, who, who am I? I? You know, verse uh, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 8 says, uh, he refers to him, himself as a dead dog. He's like a dead dog like me. Like, who am I to? And it, it it's so interesting to look back on, on all of that, because it's like, man, um, Mephibosheth was expecting death because of history. Um, he was in a place called uh, Lobert, which means place of no pasture. Um, he, you know, he was, you know, he was crippled because of the sin, uh, associated to the sin of his father. And there was all these things. And then the, the pastor pivoted, he was like, man, um, he felt guilty because in the same way that we feel guilty because we are guilty. So Romans 3 23 says mm. that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6 23 says the wages of that sin is death. So in the same way, we're all guilty. In the right. same way, we are all deserving of death. But there's good news that Jesus came and died. Um, he lived the perfect life, born of a virgin, faced temptation, never sinned, um, being fully God and fully man. And he died on the cross. And on the third day, he rose, authenticating his identity as indeed the Messiah, the son, um, you know, the son of God, the one who takes away the sins of the world. And if you put your faith in him, his righteousness is bestowed upon you because there's a bridge that you need to get to God because We need to be perfect, and the only way that we can be perfect is if we're we're covered in the blood of Christ. So I'm hearing this, and there's something in my soul, like the Holy Spirit's now, you know, we're we're wrestling, but it's different. Sometimes you're wrestling with God, and we need to let God wrestle with us. And, And finally, God's wrestling with me, and what I'm thinking is, okay, this is true, and I believe, you know, based on what he said, great apologetic for Jesus, real person, really walked the earth, really died, really rose. And I believe salvation is found in his name. But is that available to me? A person like me, Mm -hmm. my own dad didn't want me. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of that dead dog. Because sometimes when someone's trying to love you, if you've never saw yourself as lovable, there's love staring in front of you, looking you in the eye you don't even realize it because the way that you see yourself is unlovable and that's where i was and then just the right time he read um hebrews 12 2 and he talks about it was with joy set before him he endured the cross and all of a sudden there were just like fireworks going off in my head because i was like where there's joy there's love wow So, of course, Jesus was perfect in every way, and he was obedient to his father, and he loved his father. But for him to have joy in his heart to go to the cross, mm-hmm. he had love in his heart for me.
1: Praise God.
0: And that wrecked me, man. <laughs> that wrecked me. Um, you know, that, that, that wrecked me. That put me on my face. Um, and there were tears and snot and repentance and surrender. Um, and so
1: what, what year was this? Uh,
0: 2015. OK, so wow. nine years ago, um, okay. so nine, nine years ago and. Um, and I stood up and I was a I was a different man, um, the, the shame, the weight of the shame and the guilt and the feeling of inadequacy was gone. And wow. um, so that girl that uh, we went on a walk with, um, her name's Hope and she's been my wife for almost eight years, and we got uh, four sons and uh, God's allowed me um, to sit in the dark and heal and be surrounded by some men that love me enough to um, both encourage me and give me a kick in the butt that I needed. Um, I I love the way uh, uh, Proverbs, I think it's 27.3, it talks about the wounds of a friend. Uh, Sometimes Mm -hmm. you need people in your life that'll speak words that sting a little bit because you need to hear them. Um, and, and it's like, if you, if you find yourself in a place where you, you, you can constantly seek out and receive constructive criticism mm-hmm. from people that love you, man, that's the only way to grow. And right. it's so funny to look back on because I had always been that person, you know, to be a good athlete, you've got to have a coach and you've got to be susceptible to criticism. To be a good actor, you've got to have a coach and you got to be susceptible to criticism, you know, uh, to be a good communicator. You need people to to see you from different angles, receive criticism, and then be willing to be moldable, be be willing to be malleable. You know, you got to be willing to change. Um, So I I sat in the dark with people, um, specifically one man, his name's Andrew Yates, and he uh, discipled me far more than he probably intended to. But it was uh, he he said that uh, he didn't have time to do it. Um, But I spent, you know, I spent hours and hours and hours with him for about three years. And then after that, um, after that, I ended up I I went to Liberty, studied Christian ministries and then biblical theology and um, just, you know, was serving faithfully in in churches. And then I got a role as an associate pastor at a church and, um, you know, served mostly like systems and administration and, you know, doing all the things, but not, you know not sharing my story, not right. preaching, not not doing any of that. But 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 at the same time, clearly knowing that um, God has called me and gifted me as a communicator. So it's like, okay, right. I know this, but it's not time yet. And I'm just going to be okay with that because I was afraid to be on a platform because the last time I had a platform, I know what happened in my life. So right. it, was, it was in this like struggle of um, God is calling me to do this thing, yet I'm afraid to do it. Because mm. I'm afraid of my pride in my in my flesh, Amen. Um, and and then he loved me enough to keep me in hiding because he needed to kill a few things, um, before some healthy things could grow. So John, some John 15 action had to happen. There needed to be some, needed to be some cutting and some pruning, some and pruning, pruning, yeah, sawing and, yeah. and some you know some elbow drops off the top rope. That's, <laughs> <good>. um, <laughs> That's uh, but, great. But finally, I got in a place where I started speaking a little bit and. Um, I'd served I'd served on staff at two different churches and I'd started preaching and just really found my stride. I just I I just I like for me, Jesus saved my life. But the word of God transformed my life in living it out and hearing it and teaching it to others. That's what changed me from the inside out. That was like the practicality of my life. Change came from being in community with other believers, um, living a life of just radical honesty and surrounding myself with people that would both encourage me and, you know, spur me along, AKA, give me a kick right. in the butt. Um, but after some time, um, God, I've opened up some doors for me to start preaching and teaching. And um, there there was a time where I was still wrestling with, um, so I wasn't wrestling with lust in like, I wasn't, you know, wasn't wrestling with pornography addiction or anything like that. But there was a time in my life where I was wrestling with, um, impure thoughts. And when I would have a thought, you know, I I would go to like, you know, second Corinthians 5, It's like, I'm I'm taking that thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. But what, what was true is I was taking it captive and I was being really mad because I was thinking right, frustrated. And, um, I I was, what was true is I was walking with a limp and I didn't realize where the wound was from. And, um, so it was three years ago um, almost to the, almost four years. But, uh, so about three and a half years ago, um, I, I was, I was speaking at a church and, um, I was at a hotel and God woke me up in the middle of the night and I started to pray and I was laying on my back and I was being lazy and I was praying. And, um, it was almost like the the spirit brought to my, my attention is like, do you fear me? Do you revere me? Um, I was, I was like, AKA, get out of bed and get on, <laughs> get on you know? your face, yeah. Uh, and, and I got on my face, and and, and God, <laughs> met, God met me there, and what, and what I saw was two things, that there were. So as of today, um, because a, a, another incident happened um, on Thursday of last week, um, thirty-three people have died that I personally know. That was in the industry the same time as me of suicide or overdose. Oh my um, gosh. So God reminded me of places I was in in time specifically that I should be dead, mm. but He protected me. And then He also reminded me of thoughts that I've had where I was saying, I wouldn't have done those things. If my dad would have been there. Mm. If my dad would have been there, I wouldn't have done those things. If my dad would have been there, if he would have been a father to me, my life would have been different. I wouldn't have to wrestle with all this stuff. I wouldn't have to deal with this stuff. This stuff wouldn't be on the internet. And I would just go off on a tangent in my head. I would be so frustrated. And God reminded me that it was I that did that. And while the things that happened to you, the the mental and emotional trauma that – is caused by your actions or um, something that happens to you. While those things are real, right? They don't force your hand. Mm. And it was upon my own volition that I had sinned, so I had to confess unrepented sin to God. I had to repent for blaming my father, and what happened in that room. Yeah. It left me different. Praise uh, God. So since that moment. Um, I thought there were doors that were open, but there was a level of consecration that needed to happen before God started to move in my life. And really, the last three years, the the calling that I have is to educate myself in um, legislation. Um, you know, what what are other people doing that are you know fighting the fight against pornography? Yeah. Um, how can I help myself? <laughs> with education and data and facts and, and all the things, how can I help the consumer, uh, the person struggling with pornography? How can I help them from the unique perspective that I have from the biblical theology that I have, but also how can I help them with the practicality of of what's going on in the world? So that's what I've spent, you know, really the totality of the last 10 years, I'm doing you know 9 years doing and that's left me you know I've spoke at Capitol Hill the last 2 years advocating for legislation and, and some of it has been implemented um and really Amazing. my calling my calling is to call the men and women in the church out of habitual sin and right. into holiness because where there's holiness there's people operating in the boldness and the authority that comes with the spirit so I think the right. integrity gap that we have in the church is the reason that, you know, there's 2.5 billion Christians and there's 5.5 billion lost. And if the 2.5 become bold and operate in the authority that comes with you living a life of purity, um, that's how we fulfill the Great Commission. And that's um, the thing that
1: I'm called to. Amen. Well, you know, as well as I do, you know, I travel since 2012. I do anywhere from 20 to 25 men's events or conferences a year. And the number one issue is, you know, when it comes to man outside of knowing Christ, is their addiction to pornography. Yeah. And it has it has taken over, you know, just because of the ease of it. You know, you can now get it, you know, on your phones and you can get it for free and you can you can hide it and you can do incognito and all of this kind of stuff. But, you know, what what I found and, and what you have found, I know, is it's the heart of the issue. Yeah. You know, the issue is is that we don't want to we don't want to say man I'm done with it or we don't want to say okay jesus i this is something that I don't anymore can you please help me here and um I love what you're doing because i, I think the church needs to hear it more than anybody right now because yeah if, if we do stand in holiness if we do stand in righteousness then man there's a whole lot of people that that's going to shut that portion of that down um and, yeah I, I, mean, I, I
0: love i I love the scripture. It talks about there's, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's objects of wood, uh, wood, silver, I'm sorry, wood and clay and then silver and gold. And and it really, it, it, it's telling this tale of, um, the more pure you are, the more effective, um, or kingdom things you will be. And yeah, like to your point, man, like, um, the pornography industry, it makes more money than the NBA, the NFL and major league baseball all combined. And if you're not a sports right. person, uh, it makes more money than Netflix and Disney combined. Um, 33% of all the data transferred on the internet is pornography. I mean, that's right. a tremendous percentage of all the data transferred on the internet. Um, you look at the top search websites in the world, um, three of the top 10 are pornography websites. Um, 54% of marriages in uh, in the U.S. that end in divorce have something to do with pornography mm-hmm. in them. Uh, either yeah. it's pornography itself or um, someone believing the lie that the porn is not going to lead to infidelity in real life um, because right. what, what lies in the dark always grows. And if there's compromise in one area of your life, it's going to bleed into every area of your life. And man,
1: we, if it's... We deal with... We deal with ministries that actually go overseas you know to stop child you know trafficking and um you know the they'll actually go into covert operations and you know when they bust these rings that are you know typically in the third world countries they'll take these guys aside they'll separate the children they take these guys a lot of times many are rich american um males you know somewhere in their 40s and 60s that um have have transgressed if you will from what started at pornography and addiction to pornography to you know a prostitute to you know having an affair the next thing you know they're 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 in a third world country trying to buy children and so yeah. it takes them further than they ever wanted to go
0: yeah absolutely I and mean, that, that's the way that's the way that sin works it it always yeah. grows um and then Yeah. I mean, and and just just thinking, man, it's like it's, you know, 18 to 24 year olds, 94% of men, 18 to 24 have have seen pornography at least once a month. 67% of women, um, 18 to 24 have seen pornography once a month. So it's an astronomical, astronomical percentage. Um, And, you know, there's, the, the percentage of youth pastors that have admitted to watching it on a monthly basis is in the right. 50th percentile. So, I mean, um, of course there's brokenness um, across the world. And I think um, to your point that you said earlier, like there's, there's a tremendous amount of neuroscience that, you know, lends itself to to see, okay, like, yes, pornography is impacting the brain in a real way. If you look at that, if you look at a scan of, of a heroin addict and um, someone who's been addicted to porn for 10 years, the, the neural pathways that's going to the synapse of the brain where you get that dopamine hit, uh, the tracks look the same. And that's right. terrifying that that impacts, you know, your, your long term memory. Um, it ha- in your in your life, it impacts your ability to have integrity. And but most importantly, if you view a person as a product, and you believe that you can use them, you're mm-hmm. a fool. If you believe that that's not going to have a real impact on your real life.
1: Well, how crazy, how crazy is it to think that we're going to have a, you know, relationship with, you know, a computer screen all the while our wife is in the other room? You know, yeah. we're, we're wasting time with something that we can't get or would never have, but yet we won't pursue our wife in the same way. Yeah. I, um, and that, and that's, and, a that's. That yep. blows me away <laughs> like yeah well i would say real. at the
0: same time you know uh i would say i would argue that a hundred percent of men have a high that that were that were created to have a high achiever personality right. and for a driven individual um you know I, I i had the opportunity to speak at uh several nfl um chapels throughout the year um and the, the way that i'll explain it to them it's like man uh, would you like to have more capacity? Would you like to have more time? Would you like to accomplish more? So what you're doing when you do that, you're robbing yourself right. You're making yourself lethargic and not only are you wasting the time that you waste when you're watching it, the after effect of it is you're gonna be lethargic. you're gonna mm. you're gonna wallow in shame and guilt. You're not going to be bold and operate in authority. So, you're not going to do something you shouldn't have been doing. So, not only are you wasting time when you do it, it has a real impact on the rest of your life and it compounds over time. So, it's like, man, uh, that thing that you said that you don't have time to do if you would not do the thing that you shouldn't be doing right. and spend that time doing the thing that your heart actually longs for. Guess what? That's actually what God wants from you. God wants you to desire Him and follow His ways because. He knows what's best for you and he actually wants to protect you. That's why like the word of God is both a gate and a weapon. It protects you and it equips you against darkness. Like we need to know that. And for me, it's like, man, uh, take the word seriously. Um, Get some people around you where you're going to live a life of just, you know, radical honesty and watch your life change. Mm
1: -hmm. You know, here's the issue with men. And I've always said this is men have five major problems sex wives money kids and work yeah and that's how that's how simplistic but yet we're too prideful you know to have this, um this this conversation to say man i'm having a problem with sex or i'm having a problem at work or i'm having a problem with money or my kids or my wife you know we have this overarching thing that pride, and yet if we were just to confess that to each other man it would change lives uh, because, you know, what I've already gone through, somebody else may be going through, but, but stuck in this pride thinking, well, nobody knows what I, what I'm going through. Yeah. Yet. I, yes.
0: I mean, that's, that's the beauty. That's the beauty of like Romans 8, you know, it's like, um, mm-hmm. because so many people have experienced the first John forgiveness, um, the vertical right. forgiveness from God, but we haven't experienced the James 5, 16 healing that comes Amen. through confession and the prayer of a righteous man um, or woman, but. And then, you know, and then the byproduct of that is, guess what? Uh, God saves you something. He saved, you're saved from something for something. Right. He Amen. healed you from something for somebody. Um, and, and that's been my story. It's like, man, uh, like people ask me, well, do you ever get you know, tired of sharing your story? Are you embarrassed of sharing your story? Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, what are you going to tell your kids about your story? I was like, man, uh, I am going to tell them that, man, uh, dad used to have this uh, gaping wound in his heart. And now it's a scar um, because Jesus has healed that wound and that scar. Mm. It doesn't point to the story of me not having a dad. It doesn't point to porn. It points to the only one that can heal anyone mm. and anything. And his name is Jesus. And I would love Amen. to tell you about him. So, um, yeah, man, that's, I mean, that's that's the way I live my life. And it's Praise God, brother, uh, it's, it's a gift. But I think it's it's both a gift for me. Wow but it's it's not a gift for me to keep it's for for me to give away it's where uh you read second corinthians uh you know yeah second corinthians 5:17 like everyone loves that verse especially when they first get saved you know it's like right. a new creation <laughs> the old is gone but guess yep, what right. there's work to do if you if you look at verses 18 to 21 now you're a messenger you're you're, you're right. carrying of that word of reconciliation mm-hmm. there's stuff for you to do because you're you i god has saved you from mm-hmm. sin to put you back in chaos to be his ambassador so that he receives the glory. That is the Damn. only reason you're alive in it. And I think if we would just stop trying to make so, everything so much about us and just right. serve him, the byproduct of that is joy, peace, patience, kindness, Praise fulfillment, God. satisfaction, because you're living the life that he made you to live. So,
1: Praise God, brother. Yeah. Praise God. Well, I got a couple of questions. I know we're getting close to, to wrapping up here, but I could talk all day. So a couple of things. So obviously – the relationship with your dad never came to fruition. Is that correct? Yeah. So, uh, it's so interesting because again, so, so
0: when God convicted me because I was withholding forgiveness because I didn't believe that reconciliation would meet my expectations where I was afraid right. to forgive him because I I wanted, you know, the, the dad, I wanted my buddy, I wanted, you know, the guy to watch sports with and, and talk shop with and all that stuff. Um, so I was afraid if I let go of that and invited him into my life and forgave him and and, and that not happened, I would have been even more hurt. But what I had to realize what, is that God is not just good, he's just, and I'm not the judge. So my job is to forgive him and trust him, trust God with whatever is going to happen. Um, so I did forgive him. We have reconnected. And we talk... Um, Not a lot, but there is consistent communication. Like he knows my kids. We've had Thanksgiving at his home. Um, There's been some some beautiful healing in that. But does the relationship look like I hoped it would? No, but um, I've forgiven that man. I love that man. He knows and loves Jesus and is a great father and husband to his family. Um, So I just have to be okay with what God is doing because anytime that we try to 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 you know take our presuppositions of what god should or shouldn't right. be doing exactly. Um what we, what happens is when we try to play god we end up getting hurt um so i just i just trust him um Thank you god. know so that, that that's where we're at with that but yeah okay
1: good good yeah i was just wondering because i mean you know in men's ministry that is the uh, you know outside of some of the sin issues some of the biggest hurt issue are, are typically the fathers you know the yeah, fatherlessness absolutely. or just the way that they weren't engaged or, you know, didn't raise them or, you know, and typically we have to go through, you know, through that Avenue to get them back to where they understand that God, the father is the one that they really need to be leaning on, and not, you know, not their earthly father. So uh, that, I just kind of wanted to redirect, you know, just kind of go back there and see if, uh, if that had had happened or uh, where, where you are right now. The other thing is, is so for men that are watching, and even women that are watching, we have uh, 870,000 followers on Facebook and just shy of a million overall social media platforms. Yeah. And um, what's crazy is about 60% of our followers are women. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a little bit of everybody's going to see this story. For those that are dealing with pornography, those who are struggling to to shed that from themselves, the, you know, maybe the the past or whatever, what would you say or what kind of help would you give them um, maybe that's available to them uh, that you could, uh, could offer them? Yeah, certainly. Um,
0: I, I would start off by saying um, shame and guilt are not from God. And maybe. they are the thing that often keep you stuck where you are. Cause um, the Bible says Romans eight one, therefore um, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So shame and guilt, are weapons from satan mm, to keep amen. you stuck where you are so number one if you're watching this and uh you know the holy spirit has created some curiosity of like you know you're you're fed up and you're like i i don't want to keep living the way that i'm living um because sometimes it's not the porn it's just promiscuity and and sometimes they they feed off each other um right. either way regardless of what you've done um the shame that you feel is not from god because like like we were talking about earlier, it's it's God's patience, His love, and His kindness that leads us to repentance. Because He will never stop pursuing you. Right. So you've not disqualified yourself from Him. It's not possible. There's nothing Amen. that keep you from the love that's found in the person of Christ Jesus. There's nothing that you could do. So I would say say that you know lead with that. Like Amen. shame has no place in the life of believer. Um, and then at the same time, man, but conviction is a gift. Conviction Thanks is God. a gift yeah. because it, it leads, yeah. you know, God loves you enough to bring mm-hmm. conviction, that those feelings to the surface. And if I interpret them as shame, I'm going to isolate, I'm going to hide. But if I understand conviction is a gift and it's from a God that loves me, that wants better for me because he sees something in me that I'm not pursuing or living in, then I can understand, man, maybe I need to confess that thing that I'm struggling with. Because what's true is when you dwell on something that happened, uh, maybe something happened to you that wasn't your fault Um, or maybe you did something that was your fault that you chose to do either way, uh, you can get stuck in. This is who I am. And now I can't tell anyone about this. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to continue to dwell in that shame and guilt. I'm um, and I'm going to hold myself captive. You you're, you're, you've imprisoned yourself into this sin cycle because you won't relinquish the thing that you need to do most. And I would just say, gosh, uh, you, if you've watched this podcast, you've heard the numbers. It's a hundred and fifty right. billion dollar industry. The, it right. is it is fueled by viewership. So the probability of someone in your life having uh, they've struggled with it or they know someone that have struggled with it is about hundred percent.
1: Yeah, There's exactly.
0: No shocked when you say, "Hey, um, I'm really struggling with something," and I would love to have a conversation with you. Um, because what's going to happen when you say that thing that you didn't want to say? There's going to be freedom mm-hmm. on the other side of it. So I would say number one, um, tell somebody, find somebody yeah. you trust and tell them. And number two, uh, you got to stop justifying it. Because in a real way, like we were sharing, in a real way, um, the pornography industry it fuels sex trafficking. Yeah. It fuels like kids and women and families are being harmed because this exists it is right. the nucleus for all those things that's not an opinion mm. that's an absolute fact that is right. easily to prove it's so easy to prove so this is a is a detrimental thing to me the world and many of the people around me that I would that I say that I love it hurts me mm. So if I if I I come to a place where it's like, okay it is not a good thing, it's going to be harder for me to justify it. Right. And then I got to take inventory of my life. What? (laughs) Because like for me, it's like, what am I tripping over? Like what what is the emotion that I feel before I go to the porn? Uh, What is the thing that happens that, you know, is it anxiety? Is it stress from work? Is it, um, you know? Is it rejection? Is it when I'm tired? Is it when I'm, you know, sometimes for some people it's, it's when you're eating poorly, like all these things, they bring an emotion to the surface and every emotion you have is an opportunity to communicate with God. Mm-hmm. That is why, that's why we have emotions. But if you, if you process that emotion is I need to hide it, I need to suppress it. And you found porn to do that in a real way. Um, you know neuroscience will tell us you've you've developed a bond between that motion and mm-hmm. pornography and the dopamine hit that you get from it so i need. it's almost prayer. like pa-
1: it's like pavlov's dog
0: exactly you know yeah. the, yeah. you yeah. know You'd ring the bell, the the bell.
1: ring a beat. yeah exactly that's yeah. what happened um, i also you know one of the things that helped me too um was to think that you know one it's a computer screen you know that that i'm having you know this relationship with which is sick in itself uh but also that it's somebody's daughter that you're watching yeah somebody's son that you're watching and um i have a theory too that i think you know because of the the porn addiction um gosh it's just being so rampant you know as you said 150 billion dollars that's obviously a, an issue is that it also is fueling the confusion of transgenderism and homosexuality as well yeah. because it's not, you know, like when I was growing up, um, we had nudie magazines. We didn't have, you know, to go to to a porn, to watch a porn, porno, pornographic film, you had to go to a seedy place to actually get it. So when we were looking at porn, so to speak, it was in, it was just women in a magazine. It wasn't, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, um, pornography comes out. Now you're watching both. Yeah. Like you're watching a man and a woman. And so there's this, there's a something that's happening to our kids and to the the young adults nowadays to think, oh well, since I watched that, or I like that. Maybe I am gay. Maybe, you know, and it somewhat is kind of um, a little on the offside that you watch both of them. So
0: yeah, and and, I would, and what's so good. dangerous about it is like, okay, so if if you know the reason it exists and the reason it's so prevalent is because so many people are watching it, and again. um, you know, going back to legislative um, things that I'm working on. So the age verification process is something that we've been working really hard on and a few states have implemented it It essentially uh, you would have to have a government issued ID being 18 or over, and you would have to enter that information to access any website that has sexually explicit Mm -hmm. material. And the thought behind that twofold. Number one, you're going to protect kids because um, three years ago, average age of exposure for pornography was 11. Today is eight years old,
1: right? Exactly. And
0: yeah. 84% of the time when a kid under 14 sees it for the first time, it's, it's a uh, secondhand exposure, meaning that either right. someone shows it to them or they were on a device that wasn't, you know, locked down and right. they were looking for something for a science project and they scroll down too far and they found hor- hardcore pornography. So right. if, if those things are true, um, so that's why the that age verification is so important. So it's like it protects kids and um, the reality that uh, if it's going to leave a digital footprint there, maybe you're going to think twice about it. And what we saw with the, the five states that implemented it last year, consumption went down 65 percent. Praise God.
1: That's awesome.
0: Um, but then like you're again. So the, the the danger that we're working with is like we're so slow to talk about this, like in the church. Um, and just like just the government in general, like I'm sharing stuff in uh, at Capitol Hill and it's like people like don't know what I'm talking about. So the so the age verification bill, this yeah. is, you know, many years in the making and state started implementing this. And one of the major porn companies, they created an app called VPN Hub, and that takes you around the VPN that the state installs on your phone. Right. And guess what that that app is rated for? years old and up and if you don't think they're coming for your kids if you don't think they're coming for people's minds you're crazy you're missing the mark man um and we got to wake up we got to stop watching it and we got to start talking about it because we're called to protect people you know we're called to protect people and we can't lead anyone or protect anyone until we do the work for ourselves
1: wow praise god brother well thank you so much for your work man i'm I'm blessed to have this conversation with you. I've been, you know, I've been in, I've been pastoring for almost 20 years and this has been the number one issue, um, for men, uh, men in general. Yeah. And, uh, and we've, you know, I, I have, uh, software programs on all of my computers. You know, if I, if I were to look at, just even something small. My elders get an email. My wife gets an email. So, yeah. you know, men need to need to put these barriers up. But it also starts with the heart. You gotta you gotta make yeah. sure that you're dealing with the heart and allowing Jesus to to take control of that. So, real quick, uh, a little bit about your book for our audience, and yeah. then um, your how can how can people find you, get a hold of you as far as social media and stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, so my book is called Seven Lies That Will Ruin Your Life. It comes out March fifth. And it's really, you know, a lot of what we were talking about, if there was a verse to really, you know, encapsulate the uh, the whole book, it'd be Romans 12 2, where you're either being conformed by the world or being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And and why is that important? Latter in the verse it says, so that you can discern what is God's good, pleasing and perfect will. So really there's a line in the sand and uh, there's lies that you believe um, that the world propagates and actually your heart longs for. Um, And, you know, culture screaming, this is, this is right. This is the way it is. You know, this is what love is. This is what relationships are. This is what success is Um, regarding healing, you know, counsel culture, all this contradictory Mm -hmm. stuff. And so here's the, so what I do is I hold up a lie from culture and I share how that lie impacted my life. And then I share a story um, from someone else that, Mm -hmm. that the same lie impacted their life. And then I share the word of God that dismantled, destroyed, and gave me a new foundation of truth, and how I imply how I apply that to my life, and how you can apply that truth to your life, and how it will change your life Thank because you. the word of God always works. So that's uh, so that's what the book's about. So seven lies that'll ruin your life. Uh, it's about the truth that'll set you free. And what's true is you're only free as you're honest. Uh, and if you come to God with with all your brokenness and all the lies that you believed, He'll renew your mind, He'll transform your life, and He'll change your heart. And uh, regarding like where to find me, so I, I just I just followed you guys on Instagram, but um, awesome. I, so I am Joshua Broom is uh, is my social media on um, Instagram and 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 all and all that other stuff. Um, but I am Joshua Broom, and uh, for all my social media. If it doesn't have a blue check mark, it's not me. Um, there's hundreds of fake ones out there, but there's a blue okay. check mark that is me, and uh, I would love to connect awesome. with you.
1: Awesome, brother. Well, man, it has been a pleasure. Um, I, we will be praying for your book that it just you know goes out and rocks rocks the world uh, for the kingdom because um, I know that's what you're doing it for. And um, what have you got coming up uh, in the future as far as speaking? I know. You said this Sunday you're headed to a church. What else? Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, Monday I spoke at,
0: uh, a university in Pennsylvania. Um, so St. Vincent college. So it's the biggest monastery in the world. And I was the first uh, Protestant speaker they ever had there, which was such an honor. Um, so Saturday I'm speaking at North road, um, North road community church in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm speaking there Saturday. I'm speaking at,
1: you're gonna be in uh, St. Louis, huh? Yeah, in, uh, yeah. that's where that's where we are. We're in St. Oh, Louis. Oh
0: awesome. Well, there's a well that's pretty so um, mo- uh, Saturday morning at 7 a.m. at North Road uh community church. So it's actually okay. in Moscow Mills, is, is where it's located. Yeah, I know
1: yeah, exactly I know exactly where that is. Oh yeah,
0: so I'll be there 7 a.m. uh saturday and then uh Sunday I'm I'm preaching at uh Bentry Bible Fellowship. Um, and then, uh, the following week, so doing 700 club the day, the, the day after the book launches, and then I'm doing a book signing at, uh, books a million in Concord meals, um, in North Carolina. And then I'm, I'm preaching at a men's conference the following day, the eighth, um, in Kannapolis, uh, at
1: charity Baptist church. And the list goes on and on, but, um, God, brother. That's but yeah. Awesome, man. yeah. Well, well, we thank you that um, you listen to the call of God uh, as he, he placed it on your heart and that uh, you've redirected, um, you know, the Saul of your life to the Paul of your life. And they you have a heart for taking care of uh, not only those within the church that have um, that issue, but also, also also those that are in the industry. Um, yeah. you know We'll be praying for your your mission and vision as you go out to uh, to reclaim those back to god himself so uh, keep up the good fight brother and uh, don't let the enemy get you down absolutely thank you brother thank you so much man thank you so much i appreciate you being on here yes sir awesome
0: you've been listening to the man up god's way podcast visit us on facebook spotify apple itunes and our website at manupgodsway.org